What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. This week, we're discussing November 3rd's lectionary text in the Gospel of Luke, the Beatitudes, which also happens to be on All Saints Sunday. Adam Keery and I talked to Dr. Chris Krogan about what it means to be a saint and how Jesus is outlining what a saint is to his disciples in this passage. We talk about the difference between being blessed and what society probably means when they say they're hashtag blessed. We also touch on what's happening when Jesus says the kingdom of God is being given to you and how we can trust that God really will sustain us in our daily lives in the here and now. But before I could read the Beatitudes in Luke, let me tell you a little bit about Luther House of Studies co-director, Dr. Chris Krogan. Dr. Krogan is trained as a Reformation scholar specializing in the life and teachings of Martin Luther. He graduated from Augustana College and earned his MDiv and was ordained in 1995. He returned to Luther Seminary five years later and was granted a PhD in church history. Chris has been teaching college and seminary students since 2004, with his primary emphasis being nurturing faith and preparing pastors. And without further ado, here's Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 31. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And now, on to this week's conversation about the Beatitudes in Luke. Welcome back to the podcast, Chris. Great to be here. Uh, Our first question, All Saints Sunday is this Sunday. Why did they pick this specific text for All Saints Sunday? Good. This is the Beatitudes. This is commonly known as the Beatitudes. And I think what helps us is to look at uh, what's leading up to this. So verses 12 through 19 in Luke at the beginning, which is where Jesus is calling his disciples and then as church history and as the tradition will be, these disciples are all going to be called saints in the end. And this is actually the text where Jesus starts to lay down for them what is going to make them a saint. 
And so I think it is an appropriate text to talk about as All Saints Sunday because this is going to be their initiation into what's going to happen to you. And so on this day, when we're talking about All Saints Sunday, there's a lot of different ways that we uh, look at saints. And in the history of the Christian church, the question's always been answered in two distinct ways. The majority of people have answered it in the form of what we call the law. They understand the Christian enterprise as being something in the lines of cooperating with grace or adhering to Jesus' admonitions or following him as an example. And the process that they often have, which is the history of the Christian church, is that you're going to move somebody from vice to virtue, from better to worse, to become something. And so what you often say is they've, they've become uh, holy. Mm. Now, that is one way, but then there's an evangelical way of understanding how a saint is made. And this is the way that we talk about here in our Lutheran conversation, namely that it's the gospel, a word specifically given to you, a a word of mercy from Christ that makes faith in you in the time of trial. That's what makes a saint, is that when you're in a situation of desperation or sin or death and you get a word from God, then you are made a saint. And so Luther talked about it this way, that God has a tendency to cook and roast his saints. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about this prior prior to recording, but and it's an important distinction, especially important to know that uh, once you receive this promise uh, and you've received this word from God, uh, if, you, if you look back at, at scripture, you can see uh, God does actually roast his saints. You see Abraham, uh, you see Joseph, you see... Uh, Christ himself uh, immediately being put out to the wilderness, that it's not, there's not a, life isn't all of a sudden uh, materially better, um, but most of the time it's, you're being roasted, as you said. Yeah, so to be in the line of faith means you are going to actually have your sense of self challenged and removed and replaced with God as your God. Or Christ, and so you even see this with the disciples. And so, what often you hear is, "What was the? How was this disciple martyred in the end?" And you know, you you understand this with the Apostle Paul. You know, he did not. After the road to Damascus, it's not like, "Oh, yay, hippie, hippie, hooray, <laughs> here we go." You know, no. Eventually, it's prison and you know, death. And so, yeah. It's the way everyone wants to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is why this this particular text then. And making a saint is a very interesting one of, of what goes about. So mm-hmm. so when you were talking about the making of a saint, you don't, the way you were describing it about, it's about the circumstance and the situation that the person is put into. They don't get to choose this situation. It kind of comes to them. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because it also actually kind of reminds me of um, earlier in the text um, when it, talks about hearing and listening and how it's passive i feel like this is a little bit of the same situation right and so um you don't decide we've talked about this in the past and this is throughout all scripture election is what god does it's not something you choose to be something but it's god doing to you and faith comes through hearing and we're going to see this at the very end when we start in verses 27 and following at the end of this text, it says, but I say to you, listen, hypokuo, that is to say, hear 
And when uh, you have this word here in the Greek, but also in the Hebrew of Shema, it also means that God is going to start doing something with his words. Christ actually says, and it happens. And God speaks, and out comes a new creation. And so when you run into this, this is God doing his work on you. And so when he speaks, and which is we're going we're gonna to talk about that eventually in 27 and 28, and these what appear to be admonitions, they're actually, this is what's going to happen to you. Yeah, but before we can get to the end of the passage, can we talk about <laughs> what, what it like? What does blessed mean? I mean, we hear that word a lot in here, and I mean, and we hear that word a lot of day, a lot of times nowadays. It's a very contemporary thing for people to put on Instagram, like this really great thing. Someone bought me coffee today. I'm hashtag blessed. Right, right. And what they typically are saying there, if I'm not I'm on Instagram yet, so. <laughs> we'll I, get you I, there. I, I, and I don't do too many on the hashtag, so I'm old. I'm Next way week. behind these kind of things. But I think probably what they're saying, hashtag blessed, is um, I actually had a, a benefit given to me that was unexpected, that uh, prospered me either materially or personally and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so that actually is kind of, but not quite what we're talking about with the word blessed here. This is an important word to help you understand the whole of this text. When Jesus starts going through the Beatitudes and it happens both in, in Matthew and Luke here, blessed are you who are poor right away. That typically doesn't go hashtag blessed, right? No. I'm poor, hashtag blessed. This is why, you know, you receive coffee or you win the lottery, hashtag blessed. This is not the same thing. So you understand that, well, but it isn't, doesn't mean it's to your demise to be blessed either. So we use the word blessed. But in the, in the Greek, um, it actually means to be a privileged recipient of divine favor, marcorius. Mm -hmm. And so this is, this is actually different than getting something that is... Um, you know, you, you found it $5 on the, on the sidewalk or something. No, it's actually to have God speak his favor to you. And what happens when God speaks his favor to you? He gives a word specific to you to sustain you in faith. And so this very first one of the Beatitudes, everybody's really kind of confused by it because this says, blessed are you who are poor. Now, what are the poor going to get? Well, here's the, for yours is the kingdom of God. The poor don't get out of poor. They remain poor. They get a sermon. Mm -hmm. Now, what does a sermon do to them? A sermon says, look, you're going to be sustained. You're going to have your daily bread. You're going to have faith to make it through these trials. Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about what a kingdom of God means? I know that you, you hear that word, and, and I always think of just the, the actual, phys you might have think the actual physical kingdom. Um like a Christendom kind of thing or something else. Can we talk what specifically it means to have the kingdom of God given to you? Yeah, um, the kingdom of God is at hand is what we hear in the New Testaments. And this is when God's speaking enters into our lives mm -hmm. and it's breaking into us. And so you can imagine that the kingdom of God is something, again, that's done to you, brought to you, not something that you seek or something that you can uh, assist with. A lot of people say, well, let's bring the kingdom together. Well, <laughs> you're assisting with it maybe by 
plagiarizing Jesus, but it's not something you can make happen, which is why it's important for this particular um, situation is that when you talk about the kingdom of God, it's not like you're going to do some social justice action and make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. The kingdom of God is something very different. And Luther's helpful here. Um, when, when he answered the question one time, what is God's kingdom or what is God's righteousness? And so Luther writes, it is the state when we are free from sin, when all our members, talents, and powers are subject to God and are employed in his service, enabling us to say with Paul, I live, but it is no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. To the Corinthians, he said, you are not your own, you were bought with a price, so glorify and bear God in your body. He says, as it were, Christ bought you with his very self, therefore you must be his and let him live and reign in you. That comes to pass when we are ruled not by sin, but by Christ and his grace. So the kingdom of God is actually to have faith that God is for you, not against you. And when you have peace with God, and this is what is going to then free you to hear that you're poor, but God is going to take care of you. And then when you walk down the rest of the blessed, that is to say, you are going to get a divine favorable word from God. So blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep, for you will laugh. This is, that is to say, God's going to sustain you in these trials. Remember, it's the trials that make the saints, mm-hmm. not prosperity. There's, and, sorry, you yeah. go. I'll go. <laughs> well, after I was just going to say that there's a. It's inter- it's interesting when you read all the gospels, uh, and when Pete, when Christ talks about the kingdom of God, he's it, he talks about it in the present tense that it's it's either here already or it's shortly here or it's coming, and no one quite knows what to make of it because, by all indications. Uh, he's hanging on the cross, and there's no kingdom to be found. Yeah, um, exactly. It's 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 not to our um, sense of betterment as we would have in our lives, mm-hmm. right? So you were talking about um, those who are poor for you will be rich. Can you kind of dive into mm-hmm. verses not for those who are poor? Yours is the kingdom of God. This is the, this is exactly what we're saying. It's not that you're going to be rich. It's, it's gonna, just that you're going to be satisfied. Okay. This is different. That is to say, you're going to be comfortable with your standing in life. Okay. So that, which is a key piece then. I'm glad you asked that because it's not, you're not going to get any material wealth out of this. You're not going to, it's not going to like the scales are going to be balanced. One day you were poor and now <laughs> even Steven, right? Or mm-hmm. better than poor. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely not. Okay. So I have multiple questions for you, but we'll first start with, um, so a few, I, I think that this was preached on a few months ago, but can you dive a little bit um, into the rich and the poor distinction um, that is brought up here in the text? Yep. Because so, they keep bringing it up. Right. And so here in this text, it says, but woe to you who are rich. And I think the, the text you're talking about is when we had um, the rich man... And Lazarus, Lazarus sitting outside the gate of the rich man, and the rich man is sent into hell. Yep. And calls back to Father Abraham and says, you know, warn my, you know, brothers and all that kind of stuff. And 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 then Jesus says at the very end, you can't serve God and Mammon. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's keep that in mind: is that when your heart is caught, 
in material wealth, or your heart is caught in that in which the world provides. Those things are going to be taken away from you. That is to say, you will not be able to take your money to the grave, or you, the stock market might all of a sudden drop, or your, the things that you would call your idols in this world are not going to sustain you in the end. So there's people, a lot of people that have quite a bit of wealth that are very, very sad people mm-hmm. and very, very desperate, and they're still chasing things in life. So that's why when Jesus starts to say, woe to you okay, who are rich, for you have received your consolation. That's as good as it gets. There's a movie. Is this as good as it gets? If you've seen that, you know, that somehow where you're at in life isn't satisfying you. This is why the only way you come to peace in this old creation is to have a word of benefit from God, not to have the world speak well of you, which is key then before we even get to that. The last blessed is in verse 22. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. <laughs> Everybody's like reviled, hated, you know, defamed. exclude, defamed. Everything, you know, your whole sense of, of mm-hmm. who you are is being criticized. Mm-hmm. Why would that ever happen on the account of the Son of Man? Now, what does the Son of Man come and do? He comes and dies because of your sin and then forgives it. Mm -hmm. There isn't a person that has existed in this world that enjoys being forgiven at the beginning because immediately when you're forgiven, it says guilty as charged. Mm -hmm. And how many of us love to be shown how bad it was we were at the law? You do. Well, (laughs) that's the blessed is actually to know no longer is the law my measurement. You can sin... I can sit there and actually own sin and then say, to spite the devil, I do this to spite the devil, ha ha, Jesus came for the sick and not the well. Mm -hmm. That he actually uses my sin to save me. He actually loves sinners. So I don't have to run away from the accusation anymore. That's huge. But then why are people going to hate you, revalue, exclude you, defame you? Is because when you have Christ on your lips, which is called mercy, And you are one who is actually declaring that God's righteousness is not in the law, but in Christ's words. People are going to be very upset because their attempts at making themselves and their names in the law are now foiled. Mm -hmm. This does not go well. Their kingdom building is gone, done. Mm -hmm. That's really hard for people to hear. That's so counterintuitive to like today's culture. Like, (laughs) could you imagine a court system where instead of like you go into court and and you, the judge does, says, I forgive you. Instead of like you have, you're, you're going back and forth and the jury says, well, you didn't do it, right? That, that those are totally different conclusions that like we're constantly trying to weasel our way out of, yeah. out of our sin or out of a way that we did it rather than... Earth versus heaven sort yeah. of thing. Weasel way out of the accusation so that we don't have a penalty that can, or a charge that can stick to us. <clears throat> And so this is why, again, if you actually bring the, the righteous words of Christ into the ears of the people, which is Christ died for your sin and forgives it, mm-hmm. that is an accusation and a release. But at, at first blush, people are going to revile you. They're not going to be happy mm-hmm. to be named guilty as charged because mm-hmm. 
it's it's like you're playing a different game. You're <laughs> you're not even in the same uh, sphere as them because if if you're arguing or arguing over uh, what sin is greater or how to get out of it, at least you can argue that. But you can't argue um, uh, Christ died and you're forgiven. There's no argument there uh, right. to be Except had. Trying to say, oh yeah, I'm not a sinner, but you can't. Or that, that this yeah. didn't happen, but. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's no you can't argue in the law or you can't like you said weasel your way out of it you're right. playing a different game at that point yep yep which is why this this text um sings to those who are dead in their sin or which is why it's a good all saints sunday those who are dead in the grave this is comfort and consolation as opposed to those people who still have a point to prove in this world Another piece, then, as you move on, is for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. Okay, so this, so the prophets, who are the prophets? What are the prophets saying? And that's verse bad at the law, verse twenty-three. Yeah, yep. bad at the law, and Christ is going to deal with it. So, can we get can we get back to like what we were referring to at the beginning when we were talking about verse twenty-seven and and listening? Because I mm -hmm. think this is the segue that you're kind of hinting at is that when we're saying listen in verse 27, it's not necessarily listen and do something. It's more of a reflection of God is doing something for you mm -hmm. or and, to you. Yeah. And so this is exactly now when, when we get into 27, Jesus is not giving, speaking into your potential as if again, remember some people think saints are made from moving them from vice to virtue as opposed to saints who are made because they hear a promise and it changes their whole sense of self. Mm -hmm. So when you hear a promise that Christ is going to forgive you all your sin, you're no longer worried about, am I doing it right or wrong? Mm -hmm. When you hear a promise that Jesus is going to raise you from the dead, you're no long, longer worried about self-preservation. Mm -hmm. You literally can die for the sake of someone else, not thinking, uh-oh, what's going to happen? So if you have in mind that I can actually die, but that won't be the final word over me. Now listen to these verses. You can love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Because what are what are the people your enemies are going to hate you to do? Well, they're going to defile gonna you. you. They're going to kill you. They're, they want the end of you. And you're like, okay, good, fine, whatever. Then you keep going. Bless those who curse you. Now this is important. This word bless. This is why it's always helpful to get into the Greek. All right. This word bless is not the same as... Greek word as the blessed are those in the top of the Beatitudes. This word bless means you just speak well of somebody. You, as Luther says in, in his explanation to the Eighth Commandment, use your kindest words that you can for them. Speak, to, tell, tell of all their actions in the kindest way. That's what it means. Just speak well of those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Now, this is like, you know, really being vulnerable. Yeah. Right? And if you can't do this, it is because you need to self-preserve. But what, when you have a promise, a blessed word from God that I've got your back, I will take care of it, you don't have to worry about that self-preservation. So you're, you're going to be raised from the dead, so you can actually go all the, through all these things. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, you can give them the other one. Anyone who takes your coat, don't withhold even your shirt. Give everyone who begs from you. And if one takes away your goods... Do not ask for them again. In other words, if people are going to finally end you, which, by the way, note, this is what happens to the Apostle Paul. Mm -hmm. This is what happens to the disciples. They aren't in it for themselves. They are freed to literally lay their lives down 
for the neighbor. This sounds like a, I mean, <laughs> it sounds like a pretty horrible way to live. Like, I know it, 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 it shouldn't be, but it's like, that sounds miserable. Being like, oh, yeah, I'm free to go get hit on the cheek by everyone in my workplace. Like, oh, that's fabulous. I don't like that. Right. None of us do when we are in the mode of self-preservation. Even I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I know I'm free to go, you know, do whatever it is I want to do. It still doesn't seem fun. No, it's not going to be to your personal glory it's going to kill me it's going to be to your death but what happens is when you start to recognize that this is exactly what jesus has in mind for his saints you are freed from all that self-preservation this is why luther's luther's quote that i read to you before about the kingdom of god the kingdom of god breaks in on you so that you say no longer i who live but christ who lives in me Mm -hmm. and it just frees you from any kind of sense of um, this is going to be bad. This is going to be, uh-oh. You actually, so when you are walking through your workplace or walking down the street in fear, this is not being at peace with God. But when you are walking and saying, God's going to take care of me and everything that I care about is going to be dealt with by mm-hmm. God, then you're no longer in a situation where you're wondering, oh no, how, how can I do this? What's going to sustain me? Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, right now, you're right. That sounds terrible because it's not in a moment of peace. But when you're in a moment of peace, you literally can run into the burning building and go, God's going to deal with this. And that stillness is not the norm. I mean, that's that's why you have to go back to church every Sunday to hear that, to yeah. hear that so you can get back to peace, to get exactly. back to that stillness, to understand. You have to have that blessing planted in your ear. You have to have that divine favor of God's word spoken to you not just every Sunday, every day. Mm-hmm. This is why you will get used to dwelling in the scriptures and you will mind Jesus for, hey, you know, even dogs get scratched on the table, Jesus. You need to deliver me out of this one now too. Mm-hmm. You need to just drop it on me again. Send me a preacher. Don't mm-hmm. leave me in my own sense of self and thoughts. I need the confession and forgiveness. I need the confession and the forgiveness <clears throat> and I need the hymns and I need uh, mutual consolation with the brethren. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always, whenever I read this this passage, I always just, I, I think about it. It helps me understand not to find uh, peace necessarily in the world, but specifically in, in the word of God. Yep. Uh, and so you're not looking for a sign that your life is any better. You're not looking for uh, any sort of blessedness outside specifically of the word of promise because you know that's where it's actually going to be found. Right. And you don't have to... You're not looking for evidence of that you are um, yeah. picked or chosen by God even. Mm-hmm. You're just living. So you're not even looking for, look at I'm suffering. I must be a good Christian. <laughs> you're not even doing that. Mm-hmm. You're you're saying, God, you've got this. And some days it's, I'm okay. Some days I'm really hurting. Um, And then I kind of want to go back a little bit and talk about verses 24 and 25 I guess I just don't understand what's happening there I'll read them for you um but woe to you who are rich for you have received your consolation woe to you who are full now for you will be hungry woe to you who are laughing now for you will mourn and weep uh what I like (sighs) 
it's back. So we were talking earlier about how like those of you who are um, who who are poor for you will find whatever. And now it's kind of going the opposite. You're happy. You're gonna be in sorrow. You're gonna be in misery essentially can you just dive into that because i don't understand well you're not happy that you're gonna be in sorrow and misery but when you are getting your comfort from that which the world provides and the world will end that is to say like let's just say woe to you who think that your mom you can't live without your mom because what's going to happen to your mom she's going to die right woe to you who think that these things of the world are your identity Mm-hmm. then because it's going to be removed from you and this is not look out it's just going to be you're going to be really in a sad shape mm-hmm. when that which you thought was your life it be it your significant other or be it your checkbook or be it your identity on instagram whatever the case may be you know the twins or the vikings the twins or the vikings <laughs> there you go <laughs> they'll get you down real yep. quick right exactly. <laughs> good yeah, but I mean, we constantly live in that fear that, oh, my my mom is going to die and oh, I need to maximize my time with her while she's still here. And we, we sit there in that worry, but it takes that preacher yep. to plant that, that word back in your ear time to get back again. to that, that piece. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Good. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Dr. Chris Krogan for bringing this All Saints Sunday text to life in this half hour. And thank you to all of you for giving it a listen. We have a lot of fun recording these conversations, and we hope you find them as engaging and useful as I do when I get to sit across the table from these professors to record these conversations. A quick note to end the episode, if you want to stay in the loop, give Luther House of Studies Facebook page a like, Sign up for their email newsletter at their website, lutherhouseofstudy.org, and check out their library of videos on their website. They're an awesome resource for digging in deeper. Thanks again for joining us this week, and we'll see you next time on Scripture First.